Hi, I'm Tara. Hi, I'm Michelle. Welcome back to our podcast Books and Beyond with Bound, a podcast where we discuss the creative processes of India's best authors. Well, as you know, it's our quarantine edition and on this episode we have a very special guest. She's a friend and she's a very very talented singer, songwriter and now an author, Anmol Malik. Her book Three Impossible Wishes was unlike anything we'd read before. And on this episode we find out why. Yeah, Tara, I don't usually read chiclet like you know I prefer reading literary romances, but Anmol's book is a genre bending book and you know our listeners will learn how on this episode. Like I learned so much from her writing journey, especially like how much she struggled to get her debut published. It it's commendable. Yes, I was with her through that journey and I saw it firsthand. But on this episode, I found out things that even I didn't know about her. So I'm sure our listeners will get many tips about how to write rom-com and where inspiration can come from. In Anmol's case, it can even come from sci-fi. Yeah, and creativity cannot be restricted to a single form. So let's dive in. Hi everyone. So here's Anmol Malik. Let's start by talking about her book Three Impossible Wishes which is just published by Harper Collins India. It's a campus love story but it's a campus love story like no other. It's set in a college in UK and it follows um the character Arya who is really quirky, fun, super relatable. Um and it's a love story and you'll find out more but you, you, the names you need to know right now are Delhi boy Sahil and Russian Vladimir. So welcome Anmol. Wow, you just described my book way better than I could have spoken about it. Thank you so much Tara. Welcome Anmol. Really excited to talk to you. I've heard so much about you from Tara. <laughs> What we really love um, at Bound Anmol is getting to talk to writers like you. Um basically writers who really, you know, bend the genres. And I don't usually read chiclet. Uh you know, there's this kind of mind block that I have, but then you know when Tara told me about your book and I actually read it, wow, I was mind blown and more. I'm very intrigued to know and more even as a writer myself, you know, how did you come up with that voice of Arya, you know? It's really unique, you know, the plot, the language, the tone. So can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Sure, absolutely. Um you know, when we use the word chiclet though i feel it kind of undermines a whole genre whenever i'm writing rom-coms make me very happy uh and my background is mostly film so the kind of writing i kind of grew up on or got inspired by was actually screenwriting coming to the voice of arya uh one of my favorite books of all time and the one i keep falling back on again and again is the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy by douglas adams and he's got such a strong voice which I absolutely love and I think that has influenced me a great deal and kind of found its way in Arya Mathani. Very strange comparison I know cuz that's sci-fi but I don't know maybe maybe mixing the two genres kind of worked for three impossible wishes. So yeah I mean I think you're right on more you know inspiration can come from anywhere um and even what you said about chiclet uh, you know I don't like that term personally because uh, it sort of does you know as you said undermine you know a whole genre and what you're trying to do is so much more than chiclet so anmol uh, you know when you were writing your book you know what did you think about you know the genre that it fits into the kind of books that i kind of grew up on uh, when we were in middle school and we kind of wanted to pass the time um, we read the shopaholic series and the princess diaries i had somehow even read bridget jones's diary at that age i don't know how i, I had the access to it uh, but these books basically um settled somewhere deep in my mind and they kind of helped me um 
feel a little happy and a little snarky and a little witty. And I think they very accurately portrayed um, a certain lifestyle, uh, whether it was Bridget Jones living her job out at a publishing house, whether it was uh, Mia trying to be a princess. Um, I suddenly got to see cities and worlds and how people lived and things that I wouldn't have normally had the access to living in Mumbai. And I think some somewhere movies or rom-coms or books that are in that genre do a very good job of portraying the way people live and the things they do. It's very natural. It's very um, easily accessible. And I think with this particular book, Three Impossible Wishes, what I was trying to show was the plight of international students. And not just international students, people who basically leave their cities or their countries to work in a new place. That's not easy, you know, try, trying to settle down somewhere that is um, not your place, not your home. Your friends have been left far behind. Doing that is not easy. And on the surface, it might look very glamorous, but it's not actually very glamorous because being an international student means you have language barriers, money barriers, um, food, uh, jet lag. You've got a thousand other problems to deal with. And that's the space that this book begins from. Though it's a light book. It covers a lot of deeper issues because this book is set in the same year as the 2611 terrorist attacks in Bombay. It's set in the same year when gang wars were on the rise in the UK. Now imagine being a person who's completely new to this country and dealing with all this. It deals with professors and a little hint of racism, how different cultures come together. And all of this is kind of tied together with a really comical romance. So really, what is not to love about a rom-com? A rom-com just lightly touches upon deeper issues and packages it neatly, almost like a Christmas present. And I think that's that's why I get attracted to the genre so much. No, that, that was a really um, insightful uh, answer, Anmol. And especially, I was really taken back to my time when I moved to Bangalore to study, you know, and I could really relate to Arya. And, you know, I wanted to just, you know, call you up and ask you, Anmol, how did you do this? <laughs> it's really good. You know, like I studied in New York. So like, again, like the, you know, the whole international student and the, oh, be on your best behavior so that you don't get deported. Because that's like the biggest nightmare. The question I get asked very often is how similar are you to Arya? The thing is not very. Arya is not based on me. Arya is actually based on a lot of people I've met who think very little of themselves. And I just don't know why that is, because it, within themselves, they hide so many possibilities, but they just don't think they're good enough. And Arya is the embodiment of that. That That is the reason I was inspired to write her as a protagonist, because you see her journey through the book as someone who thinks so little of herself and who, who she eventually becomes and starts believing in herself. That's a very important journey for her. And it really is sort of a coming of age novel in that way, uh, which makes it all the more compelling. Um, so, I mean, I just love, you know, everything that you merged into this book. When I was writing it, I was writing it in complete isolation. I swear I didn't think it would ever get picked up. It would ever get published. I was solely writing this for me because I wanted to make myself smile. Because as a debut author, you usually don't know where to go. I had the biggest problem because I didn't understand anything about this space. I still don't. And it's very scary kind of navigating it completely on your own. And when I showed Tara this manuscript, she's the one who injected so much belief in me and said, Anmol, this is really good. Please continue writing this. 
because of that belief i could complete this manuscript the first draft within 3 months which is ridiculous and the thing is that you know like this genre is i don't think like i've told anmol this before but what she's done i think nobody else in india is really doing you mean you can learn so much from the craft just by reading this book and it's really elevated this whole genre in india to another level Do you have writers like this in the West? You know, like as you said, Meg Cabot, and you know all of these people that we really love. Um, you know, the rom coms that we love to read. But there's no real writer like this in India. So I really think, Armol, you have a space here to do something amazing. Because you know your scenes really come alive, and and one scene I still remember, Armol, when Arya really bumps her head into a door. I think, oh God, I laughed out loud so badly because you know I feel you have brought out this awkwardness of the character really well. um it really reflects in their writing so i really like that uh, about your book and more because you told me about arya's awkwardness she's she's basically the sort of girl who gets out of problems by creating more problems that's just the kind of girl arya she gets her foot stuck in vending machines she gets caught in gang wars she's there's something about her that just attracts all the problems and i think that's what makes her entertaining yeah and definitely it's so relatable because i think the awkward moments in my life far outweigh you know any g- normal or general moments <laughs> because i mean i am always in an awkward situation you know but coming back to like i mean you are such a creative person anmol uh, so you know b- before the, i even knew you were a writer um i knew you as a singer so how, what is your routine like because i know that you dabble in so many different creative forms yeah. i've always maintained this which is i feel there's a certain storytelling to music and there's a certain rhythm to writing so in a way stories and music for me go hand in hand um i always tend to write when everybody's asleep and for me that's very early in the morning so i'm usually up by 4:35 uh like a total psycho and i'm i don't know i'm just writing away because i feel at 4:30 or at 5 a.m. i'm not completely awake which means there is no filter because when you're not holding yourself back suddenly you can just hear yourself think wow i mean i am i am also a night person and also i could uh, you know really relate to that um but also what i am uh, intrigued to know is anmol how do you then um, you know make it coherent f- uh, for a story you know i'm sure that the thoughts would be jumbled at that point so how do you make sense of it all um then they, well surprisingly they're not that jumbled um but i find that by the afternoon maybe by 3 or 4 pm um I'm completely wide awake. I have done everything that I need to do for the day, uh, all everything on the to-do list. Um when I'm wide awake and I feel like I can judge properly what I have splattered out on the paper is when I sit and start molding it. Um then all the filters come into play, is something good, is something bad, is it making sense? Um but I think by definition being a writer means that you you hate everything you write. I don't know why that is. But um I need to work on something which is I need to start having more belief in what I'm writing because I just look at what I've written and go this is not going to work. So I think writers need friends and which is very difficult in our profession because writing is very isolating. So it's a bit needs to balance itself out a little. So Anmol I can totally relate uh, when you say that writing is isolating and I lived in Bahrain which is literally an island <laughs> for many years and I felt completely isolated from the you know literary community but I always wanted to be a part of it you know I stalked writers you know following their work uh, from magazines you know knowing about their work more and that is how I built the you know my small community and they were the ones I mean they're still there for me you know like we exchange um stories poems and you know we basically are beta readers for each other and that that is everything to me you know it's like family 
So Anmol, I mean, like it's so exciting to see your debut book out and have it do so well. But uh, you know, it's it's also you know difficult to pick what you want because I'm sure you have so many stories, and I know that you have so many stories. So how did you decide? Um, you know, this is the idea that I'm going to go with, and I'm going to execute on this idea for my first book. Honestly, when I started writing this book, um, like I said before, I didn't think it was going to be published. I didn't think I was going to show it to anyone. I wrote it because I wanted to make myself smile, and because I wanted to create this fictional universe of the University of Wesley. I personally think I have a lot of stories to say in this university itself, and which is why the book does spend a bit of time building the actual university as well. Um, there are characters in this book um, who, in my head, are already part of other stories, and I want to kind of interconnect them if I ever get the chance to write more. Um, I think it would be a very interesting space to explore, and I personally believe that every piece of art has its own destiny. You can't decide where um, that piece of art is going to take itself. So, for me, when this book got completed, I didn't know that it would lead me to Bound India. I didn't know that it would eventually lead me to Writer's Side, and it would eventually get picked up by Harper Collins. And finally, I'd be sitting here and speaking on this podcast. So, it's been the journey of three impossible wishes. It has nothing to do with me. And um, there is something that I would like to say. So, you know, I feel I have a lot to learn when it comes to writing. I keep trying to learn as much as I can. But there is one piece of advice that has never left my head, which is what Roald Dahl said. He said that when you begin a piece of work, don't start something new until you complete what you've started. And that is something that has held me in good stead till today. And if I ever had to give advice, this is the advice I would share. Thank you so much for that, Anmol. I really liked uh, your process, Anmol. And please, please keep doing that. Don't let the pressure of getting published uh, get to you. Yeah, and Anmol, uh, this is something that I really wanted to ask you when I was reading your book because, um, you know, as a female writer, I have noticed that I'm very conscious while creating male characters. You know, they don't really come naturally to me, and I always wonder, am I? doing it right uh, can you tell us you know i mean uh, you know what was the inspiration behind these characters and you know how did the process uh, go up uh, michelle that's a really good question because it's a question i ask myself too when i'm writing i always want to create authentic male characters and there's always a little hint of doubt but vladimir was born from a space which was the ideal man for me like if if a boy like vladimir existed in real life i would do everything to try and be with him because he just seems so unreal. So the kind of love stories that I'm attracted to um, aren't the kind where you remember, you know, birthdays and Valentine's Day and cheesy gifts. That's not the kind of love story that I kind of end up watching. The stuff I like is where two people bring out the best versions of each other. Vladimir brings out the best in Arya. She needs him. And Arya brings out the best in Vladimir. They balance each other out. Uh, and the male characters are kind of, you know, uh, drawn from the male characters I grew up watching, which was a Raj Malhotra or Aditya Kashyap, or even all the characters that you Grant has ever played. So all these little mishmash of these characters have found their way into this book. There's a lot of criticism also against um, the rom-com genre, especially in movies. You know, um, maybe because like they maybe you know they all follow a certain trope, or in the end, you know, they always ha- maybe they always have to fall in love, or maybe you know the woman who is supposed to be nerdy looks a certain way so what do you think about all of that you know the criticism and all of that the reason i realized i fell in love with the genre was surprisingly because of one movie and one movie alone 
which was 500 days of summer. Uh, up till that point, I really personally didn't think I was into rom-coms. And I think I judged them a bit too harshly. Then I watched 500 Days of Summer, where the opening line of the movie is, you should be warned that this is not a love story. It's an entire rom-com which ends with the boy not getting the girl. That's when I realized rom-coms can just tell you so much. You can take a genre where you know what's going to happen next and break all the rules. I like the way these movies are packaged. I like the way these books are packaged. They they are happy. They are warm. They make you feel good. And in today's very strange time where you don't know what's happening next, what's so wrong about being happy or wanting to feel a little happiness? I totally agree with you, Anmol, because like I've been a fan of rom-coms since I was a since I was a kid. I mean, rom-coms are my favorite genre, uh, you know, to watch um, as movies. And I agree. I mean, it's just something lighthearted and, you know, everything doesn't have to be um, serious to, uh, I mean, everything doesn't have to be heavy to be serious. You can have, um, you know, interesting themes. You can have uh, books and movies that make you think, but are also lighthearted and warm and funny. And that's what your book also does. Yeah. I think I'm attracted to love stories. Or just that that emotion of love, because it's the most raw and primal thing that a human being can feel. And it makes you do insane things. It makes you protective. It makes you strong. It makes you so many things. And I think I, I've, and it's not just love between a man and a woman. It, it's love that manifests in different ways. It could be even a friendship. So I don't think it's just the happy-go-lucky rom-com that attracts me. It's the deeper emotion of it that always attracts me to a story. So um, Anmol, and one more thing that you've you've mentioned really uh, stayed with me is that, you know, what's wrong in being happy? I think many literary writers need to hear that because they often think that you need to have experienced something traumatic, something, you know, a tragedy. And unless you face that pain, you won't be able to write something which is called good literature. But I think you've really given us a very different um, insight into that. So Anmol, um, you know, since we are talking about rom-coms, I'm really curious as to what is your favorite meet cute um, in a story. And, you know, honestly, I did not know of this term before. Only when I read uh, your book, I, you know, I googled it and, you know, I was discussing with Tara, but I really didn't know of it before. So I want to know which is your favorite uh, meet cute. And what is a meet cute for our listeners? A meet cute is something as simple as Jab We Met, this boy who's almost suicidal. He's on the train going nowhere. And there's this girl who's got a whole life ahead of her because she's run away from home to get married to the love of her life. So this happy girl and this very unhappy boy are on the same train in the same compartment. And that's their meet cute. He's annoyed with her and she's just full of life. Uh, So it's usually two people meeting. One person has what the other doesn't. Uh, Two pieces of the same puzzle. That's a meet cute. That's very interesting. And Anmol, you know, I see a lot of influence of films in, uh, you know, just in the way of speaking, you know, um, and you have such an extensive knowledge. uh, And, you know, you also worked as a script doctor, which is a very different, you know, situation from the world of publishing and all of those things, but obviously does deal with stories. So how did your experience as a script doctor working on scripts day and night and did it actually come handy when it came to writing your own story and your own book? I find when I pick books up even to read, uh, I always pick those books that have, how do I put it, a story in the sense stories which have a lot of plot points. So when you're writing a script, right, you have plot points, which we call turning points. It's it's that thing in the story that constantly keeps your um, plot moving, keeps it turning. Uh, And I think being a script doctor definitely helped because it helped keep my own story sharp. So all these plot points come at very strategic moments. It's like a rhythm. You can't break the rhythm at any point of time. Uh, Because if you do, you'll sense the lag as a reader. 
I think that really helped me greatly when I was writing my story. Because that's where the script doctoring bit of it kind of kicked in. What scenes make sense? I even I think I've got this thing of not calling chapters chapters. I still call them scenes for some reason. And I think because my background is screenplay, I put a lot of emphasis on dialogues of a character. For me, that's the quickest way for me to understand the mind of a character and understand their vibe. So I'm um, talking about the craft, uh, Anmol, you know, you've worked with scripts, you've worked with a full length novel, and we also know that you write short fiction, you know. So this is something that I wanted to ask you. Um, as a writer, which form are you more comfortable with? And why does it, you know, work for you more? I'm going to, I'm going to definitely be judged for saying this. But for me, they kind of all feel the same. Because the central theme for me is always the characters. They're the most important. It's just that the format looks a little different. For example, if I was writing, I think I've written a, a short story for Bound itself for your platform, Jot It. Uh, it's called The Visitor. And the, same, the exact same story can be made into a screenplay. It's just that the format would look a little different. The stage directions would be a lot more crisp. I wouldn't be so um, generous with the description of the setting. Uh, but the dialogues wouldn't change. And a lot of my work is very dialogue heavy. I, I really invest a lot of time in the dialogues because it's the one way I can differentiate between characters. And you'll, you'll notice that in Three Impossible Wishes as well. The way Vladimir speaks is very different from the way Arya speaks, is very different from the way Sahil speaks, is very different from all the million characters that are peppering this book. Uh, and I think that gives you a very um, great insight into their vibe, into what they consider important. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's like the way the three of us are talking right now. This very conversation could be converted into a chapter or it could be converted into a scene in a movie, but it would be very dialogue heavy. So it's just that the format would change, but the essence would remain the same. Oh, I mean, we would love to appear in one of your books, Anmol. <laughs> Tara sort of has, but I'm keeping quiet about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, not in a direct way because it's fiction. But yeah, I mean, but it's it's really inspiring. Yeah, no. So I mean, that's interesting because uh, you know, um, it's more about the story for you, and I like the fact that you work in so many different forms. Uh, but coming back to uh, you know, what you said about dialogue, what is your tips that you would give? to writers in order for them to make their dialogue really strong and also differentiate between your characters because as you said in your book each of these characters has a very distinct voice um so i think one of the tips i had learned very early on uh, when i was a, i was still at school actually i don't know why i read a book on how to write it's the first time i got invested in story writing but one of the tips that they gave in that book was uh cover the the characters like when you're reading a book uh, you know how it ends with blah, 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 he said, and then blah, 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 she said. Uh, they said, just cover that little end bit. If all the dialogues end up sounding the same and there's no change of voice in your head, then you've done a poor job with the dialogues. And that line stayed with me. And really good writers, and I don't know if I've managed this, but I know there are great writers out there. You can sense the switch happening in your head. It's, just try it the next time. Don't think it's a character speaking just read all the dialogues in one go and you'll be able to sense the switch. You'll know which is a male voice, which is a female voice, which is a child. It's incredible how great writers manage this. So um, Anmol, since you're mentioning great writers, uh, can you please recommend a few to us? I mean, work that you really admire, especially when it comes to dialogues. I love the work of Elizabeth Gaskell. I don't know if you've ever uh, picked up any work by her. Uh, you must read North and South. 
Jane Austen does a great job. I think all all your classics, it's because it's when a person speaks, you can kind of get a sense of what makes them tick. I think very gifted writers can manage this very easily. Um, Anmol, by the way, <laughs> that is the, you know, that is the tagline of our podcast. What makes writers oh, really? tick? <laughs> I just... Yeah, yeah, I just remembered that when you mentioned. But you know, uh, coming, uh, you know, away from dialogue, you also go into the heads of these characters. And that's something that in, uh, you know, uh, in, in a screenplay, I'm guessing you don't have that liberty to, you know, go inside and actually, um, you know, uh, show what the character is thinking, because you have to show it through action and you have to show it through dialogue. So how did you make that transition? Um, surprisingly, there's a lot of getting into the heads in screenplay writing. It's, it's just that it doesn't show in the draft that you've written because that's the format of the structure. Uh, the format of your screenplay is usually action. Sorry, it's your scene, the time of day, the action, and dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. Um, but to get those dialogues to that point, you've had to obviously get into the head of the character, um, which means there's a lot of work in a screenplay that you don't necessarily get to see. And which is why even when you're writing a Bible for a TV series, you have to have so much written up about the character itself, where they're from, where they're going, what they're thinking. Otherwise, you will not be able to write the dialogues. I lay so much emphasis on dialogues because I feel they tell you a lot about a character and you can't possibly write dialogues if you don't know your character inside out. So I think that transition wasn't very difficult for me because it's pretty much the same thing. It's like, you remember when you were in school, and you would be given a math question for 10 marks, which would say, show all your working. That's what a book is. You have to show all your working. That reference just brought back some, you know, nightmares to do with math exams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's very um, interesting, Anmol, you know, the kind of work that goes behind, uh, you know, working on films. Because, you know, films is also something that I'm really interested in, especially for their storytelling. You know, if I, and especially what I've noticed is I am drawn to movies which are adaptations, you know, based on books. So then you kind of understand the kind of work that goes behind it you know what what we really loved about the book is you know the food that's mentioned Anmol um, and I also know from Tara that you are a foodie yourself <laughs> so can you tell us uh, which is your favorite dish and uh, you know maybe uh, Tara can also share hers mine I can tell you is uh, shawarma which was I mean which is really from uh, Bahrain and I miss that here I, I have not found that kind you know that authentic uh, shawarma here so what's your favorite dish Anmol? That's like asking a book lover which is your favorite book and they'll just say the whole library so, um, but I don't know, I think because discussing Three Impossible Wishes and discussing uh, university and you just said shawarma. So there's something also called a doner kebab, which um, the chicken doner kebab used to be my favorite. And I'll tell you why. It, it was made by this one man who used to show up at 4 a.m., which is when the clubs around my university would shut for the night. And I don't like clubbing, but I would be there head of the line at 4 a.m. so I could get chicken doner kebabs. And I think I was judged by every single party goer because they're like, who is this boring person showing up in her pajamas night after night just to eat? That's such a cute story. I know. I mean, food is the only thing that's keeping me going during the pandemic because my mother, luckily, is the most fantastic cook. So she's been making like Thai food, Chinese food. Um, she made Mexican. <laughs> wow, Tara, my mouth is watering. Don't do that I feel bad for her, but I'm enjoying it. But I don't have a favorite food. I think anything Asian, I think dim sums would probably be my favorite food. I like that question, Michelle. I didn't know that your favorite food was. You know, food has a weird way. You know how smells kind of transport you? 
to a different time and space i think food has that power as well yeah definitely you know it does yeah you know another thing that we wanted to ask because we cannot ignore it um is the pandemic and you released your book during a pandemic so you know can you tell our listeners what was that like and how did you end up you know because it's still doing really really well and how did you end up marketing it and reaching your audience Firstly, I'm immensely grateful that it's HarperCollins that picked up this book, and it still feels absolutely surreal. I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, I think during the pandemic, I did find that I had more time for reading. So perhaps there's a little bit of a silver lining there, and this is such a happy book. So I really hope people do pick it up if they want to kind of escape and smile a little. But I don't know anything about this space, and when it comes to marketing it, I know even less. So I think. we've tried all everything that we could and worked really hard to get the book a little noticed and we kind of hope something sticks um and honestly i i don't even know what's working and what isn't and it has all been a little daunting but like i said every piece of art has its own destiny and i think three impossible wishes is kind of guiding itself and it has made me meet some amazing people and brought some amazing situations into my life so i i even though it's been scary i think um it's been the best thing that's happened to me so far launching my debut yeah i mean i'm sure it feels very surreal anmol because you know everything happens behind the scenes you know we end up writing in our room and you know without uh, you know people really uh, you know looking at the manuscript and then all of a sudden it's out there you know it's just it's the opposite of uh, you know the writing process so i can but i think it's weird that i wrote the book to escape into something and now i'm kind of hoping people pick it up if they want to kind of smile as well yeah definitely and i'm sure uh, you know your readers will experience that and they will smile when they read the book anmol anmol we also wanted to ask you you know because you clearly have an uh, you know a year for music you know you have been influenced by music so did you try to bring that uh, musicality into your writing like you know make your sentences sing and and is poetry something that you're interested in because you know when you think of uh, sound you obviously think of poetry so we were just curious this is such a great question <laughs> honestly um yes th- it it happens very subconsciously when i'm writing the sentences have their own kind of rhythm and sometimes it feels like prose sometimes it feels like lyrics and um yeah, I, you know what a lot of the chapters also have been written listening to music and music plays a very strong um role in this book if it hadn't been for food i think i would have made arya a singer uh, because there are a lot of mentions in this book to music such as tere bin dil nahi lagta and uh, there's so many songs that i've mentioned i think nora jones is mentioned in this book they they are playing in the background they basically add to the world when you're picturing the entire scenario playing in your head while you're reading it adds so much it adds sound it adds color music is just very important to me and i think even while writing it's always there in the background it always finds its way into the words very interesting oh that is that is really interesting on more i wish we could do a podcast entire episode just on that <laughs> and i think it will help uh, it will help so many writers i mean to just learn about world building you know and all of these things because it's very important and i think when writers are writing they're screenplay writers because when they're writing a book they have the scene in their head they are they're visualizing what eventually you will see on screen that's a perspective which i mean you really put things in a new perspective now we have our rapid fire session and the first question is 
the one song you listened to when you wrote the book okay so what does literary success look like to you yeah, uh, when people quote lines from the book or um say that certain sections of the book have really helped them uh kind of been imprinted in their minds forever does writing energize or exhaust you it does a bit of both uh definitely energizes me because i feel like i'm creating this little world bit by bit um but at the end of the day it is it is a little exhausting because of just how isolating it is have you ever gotten readers block i think so but i perhaps haven't spent that much time noticing it because i get very easily distracted by movies and tv series and music and then the whole cycle just repeats itself then i come back to books um so talking about books anmol what's your favorite underappreciated novel there are a lot i i would either say it was um village by the sea which is by anita desai i don't know why i feel that a lot of people haven't read this book and it's written very simply um it's just a very simple story but it just takes you on this long journey there's even salman rushdie's uh, harun and the sea of stories uh i think i think most people perceive it as a children's book but i think there is so much more in it than just that and if you've never read anything by rushdie before this would be a great place to start i think i'm certainly going to do that after this what one thing would you give up to become a better writer the thing i would probably give up on is my fear of the blank page it just scares me so much whether it's a plain piece of paper or it's a brand new word document i need to get over this fear because it just seems very daunting right no that's completely relatable so i have one last one if you could tell your younger writing self anything what would it be i feel i'm still very young when it comes to writing there's so much to learn there's so much great talent out there uh but i think the advice i would give her is stop filtering out so many thoughts just just write whatever comes to your head and judge it later um anmol uh, we had an amazing time talking to you at least i got so many insights especially about your writing process and so many reading recommendations and i had heard so much about you from tara and today i really feel uh, really honored to have spoken to you anmol thanks a lot for taking the time out and for sharing your process with us thank you so much anmol thanks for having me on this podcast it's a uh, it was a lot of fun wow tara that was such a fun conversation and on our next episode we will be talking to sonali gupta she is the author of anxiety her book is especially relevant for our times because you know we are all dealing with all kinds of issues right now we are struggling to cope with the pandemic and her book really gave us insights as to how to deal with it um in a better way so if you are looking for tips to you know deal with stress or if you are an expert and you want to know how to convert that knowledge into a non-fiction book do tune in next time and if you want to explore conversations on mental health books writing and much more and as always we are on at bound india on facebook twitter and instagram we can't wait to hear from you and we're looking for your book recommendations as you know so tune in next time